This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. A busy show tonight. Here's what's on tap. Uh, Despite campaigning uh, that he would pull remaining troops out of Afghanistan, President Trump has uh, performed a complete 180 and uh, backed away from that pledge, instead recommitting U.S. forces to a conflict now in its 16th year, the longest U.S. war in history. Uh, The big question is, who got to him? Was it the uh, the globalists in his cabinet or globalist advisors behind the scenes? Media scientist Nelson Thal and journalist John Rappaport of No More Fake News will be here to discuss. Uh, then, Google. Well, you know, their, uh, their mission statement used to be, don't be evil. Uh, lately, they've been accused of being evil. Uh, accusations of uh, censorship uh, through the rejigging of their algorithms, firing of uh, the firing of John Danmore for simply suggesting the company's diversity uh, policy should also focus on the most important kind of diversity, and that's diversity of opinion. And lately, uh, there have been uh, numerous privacy concerns. The former editor-in-chief of Psychology Today, Robert Epstein, will be here to explain why he believes Google is evil. Of course, our weekly remote viewing experiment, What's in the Box, uh, just ahead. Uh, Then, one of the most documented mass UFO sightings in U.S. history took place over 20 years ago in Phoenix, Arizona. Well, here we go again, a mass UFO sighting again uh, that has been ongoing, according to some reports, since April of this year. And uh, we'll uh, have the uh, videotape, as they used to say, uh, coming up. Victor Vigiani from Zeland Communications will also be here to discuss. Uh, Second hour, of course, open lines. And then Alan Park, a comedian, former cast member of the Air Force, host of the uh, podcast Conspiracy Queries, will be here to tell a remarkable story. How he beat terminal cancer twice. And uh, the possible connection to cannabis oil. Uh, Before that, let me introduce the boys in the band, as always. On the Flying V Gibson guitar... Technical producer, Ian Robertson. 
on the Rickenbacker bass guitar, occasionally the theremin, story producer Albert Finzel. Albert, hello. And on the Hammond B3, feature producer Ryan White. Welcome, gentlemen, all. All right, remote viewers, get ready. Here are your coordinates. The object is hidden from view in a cigar box. Resting on the studio desk to my left here at Zoomerplex, 70 Jefferson Avenue in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All right, allow the shape, the form, the texture, the color to come into your mind. And uh, as always, you must tweet your answers to me at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett. You must use the hashtag TCS Remote. And good luck. And to the skilled remote viewer or viewers that correctly identifies what's in the box, some fabulous Conspiracy Show merchandise uh, for you. And uh, if you're a fan of the show, why not show it off and also help support our work? Visit the online store at theconspiracyshow.com. Get yourself a mug or a hoodie, T-shirt, sweatshirt, or a phone case. Again, that's theconspiracyshow.com, the online merchandise store. Good luck. The, uh, the war in Afghanistan launched in 2001 by George W. Bush after 9-11 when the country was providing sanctuary, so supposedly, to Osama bin Laden, has cost upward of $1 trillion and resulted in the deaths of 2,403 U.S. servicemen and women. Now, more than 16 years later, most of the country remains a war zone. And the Taliban controls more territory than at any time since the American invasion began. During the campaign, candidate Donald Trump promised he would pull out, that, he only, that only he could fix it. On August 21st, President Trump announced that after consulting with his generals, he was undoing that promise and pledging an additional 4,000 troops and tying an eventual pullout not to an arbitrary date, but to conditions on the ground. We are there to kill terrorists, not nation-build, he promises. But now, how, rather, how can 16,000 troops do what 100,000 U.S. soldiers could not? Isn't doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result the definition of insanity? Is winning even the goal? Was President Trump strong-armed by the globalists in his inner circle? Here to discuss is Nelson Thal, recognized as one of the world's leading authorities on the science of communication media and process analysis. He studied, studied under the venerable Marshall McLuhan. Nelson Thal, welcome. Welcome, Rich, and welcome to our listeners. And uh, let's remember we all became spies when the media betrayed the truth. John Rappaport has worked as a freelance investigative reporter for 30 years. Over 30 years, he's written articles on politics, health, media, culture, and art for the L.A. Weekly, Spin Magazine, Stern, Village Voice, Nexus, CBS, Health Watch, and others. And, of course, he is the founder of NoMoreFakeNews.com. John Rappaport, welcome to you, sir. Good to be here, Richard. All right. Now... Uh, what do you think, first to you, John, what do you think happened here, this about-face? Was, is it possible President Trump, when he was confronted with the evidence on the ground, made a genuine change of, 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 of heart, or was he strong-armed by the globalists? Well, I think it's some combination of the two. But basically, he has surrounded himself with globalists, so that's on him. And uh, it throws into doubt the entire promise to begin with, because, look, we've got $1 trillion at least in mineral deposits, including rare earth minerals, very vital substances for manufacturing uh, 
cell phones and the like sitting in Afghanistan. We've got all the opium. Production was cut under the Taliban. As soon as the war started, it escalated again. It's reached new highs, and then there is the long-standing project to build an oil-gas pipeline through Afghanistan. These are major kinds of globalist motives, mega-corporate motives that uh, want to sustain a war. And we're not even getting into the military-industrial complex, which is always looking for new wars and new money. So all of that played a role in the so-called turnaround, and now we're in the soup. Nelson, how can, I believe now with an additional 4,000, that would bring the troop level up to, it's either 12 or 16,000. How could 12 or 16,000 U.S. boots on the ground uh, accomplish what 100,000 U.S. troops at its height could not? Well, I think it's more than that, of course. It's just getting their foot in the door and getting Americans used to the war in Afghanistan is back on and been escalated. I think that, remember, the people who worked putting Trump into office, people like Bannon and Priebus and the others, are all gone now and been replaced by generals. So I think it seems likely that there's been um, a bloodless coup, a cold coup takeover of the commander-in-chief by the globalists, who um, then immediately didn't waste any time escalating this war in Afghanistan. I totally agree with uh, Mr. Rappaport that there's no doubt that uh, the mineral wealth, the lithium, the, uh, all the other materials, mineral materials, the oil pipelines, are just so valuable there. They want to grab it as well, and that's a lot of it. But certainly, you know, um, we've got a situation where uh, Trump's been surrounded and um, is it his agenda anymore? Uh, will he get the wall built? It seems like everything's starting to fall apart on him. Uh, John, what, what do you think of, of uh, what Nelson said there, that this has been a bloodless coup? Is it complete? Is, 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 is this further evidence that the president of the United States really doesn't have any power, particularly when it comes to, to uh, international affairs, foreign policy? Yes, I think it is evidence of that. And uh, it is at least a partial coup. It's hard. I wouldn't say that his entire agenda has been destroyed uh, as of yet, but this certainly has. And he's had many, many, many supporters who came on board, especially the old Ron Paul supporters, who took to his uh, statements about uh, no more empire building, no more being the policeman of the world, uh, you know, was very welcomed and now they're just sitting there looking at this saying what in the world is going on but you have to realize the foreign policy establishment of the united states has been run for a very long time through the state department by groups like the council on foreign relations the trilateral commission these these elements are very very real goldman sachs is part of that as well so this has all been in place through the Obama administration, the Clinton, the Bush, Bush too, go all the way back, and you're going to find it uh, leading the charge, so to speak. So this is still in place, and Trump is uh, defanged in this respect. Well, these um, foreign misadventures have ways of sinking presidencies. Uh, ask you know Lyndon Johnson about Vietnam. Uh, 
Is that going to be the case this time around, Nelson? Is Afghanistan going to sink the Trump presidency? I don't. I think it's going to be a Vietnam redux. I think it's going to be a, a just a terrible. Uh, be, the American troops will be totally confounded there uh, after the Russians couldn't defeat the defeat and take over the country. Uh, to think that now the Americans on uh, again after 16 years is it are, are, yes. are now going to do anything new? I, I don't think anything's going to happen except the worst. I'm very very fearful for what's happened and for Mr. Trump. I was looking forward to him breaking away from that group, the globalist group, and going out on his own. It really, um, I think this, uh, this total eclipse kind of is portending a lot of bad things ahead. Uh, last word to you, John. Do you think this could be the president's undoing? Uh, it could be. One thing to watch out for here, terrorists, that term, Taliban, that term. They're not exactly the same. If you start to see reports about the Taliban this and the Taliban that and the Taliban this, you know that we're sinking into another huge quagmire here because trying to oust and destroy the Taliban is exactly the kind of thing that's led to defeat in war after war in Afghanistan. They hide, they come back when you leave. It's impossible. All right, John Rappaport, nomorefakenews.com. Be sure to check out his Matrix series of CD-ROMs. You can order them right there, nomorefakenews.com. Nelson Thal, the website, McLuhanTactics.com. McLuhanTactics.com. Gentlemen, thank you both. Thank you. Bye-bye, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Bye-bye. When we come back, is Google evil? Robert Epstein, former editor-in-chief of Psychology Today, says yes. He'll explain why when we return. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Just a reminder, the results of our weekly remote viewing experiment just past the bottom of the hour, plus another mass UFO sighting in Phoenix or over Phoenix. Uh, Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network will be here to discuss all right, let me uh, crib from Robert Epstein's, uh, Epstein's uh, publish, uh, piece published rather in usnews.com. It's called The New Censorship. Google Inc. isn't just the world's biggest purveyor of information. It's also the world's biggest censor. The company maintains at least nine different blacklists that impact our lives, generally without input or authority from any outside advisory group, industry association, or government agency. Google is not the only company, of course, suppressing content on the, on the Internet. Reddit has frequently been accused of banning postings on specific topics. And a recent report suggests that Facebook has been deleting conservative news stories from its news feed, a practice that might have a significant effect on public opinion, even on voting. Google, though, is currently the biggest bully 
on the block. And of course, that's only part of the story. Google has also been accused of being a stooge for the uh, NSA. And most recently, it was revealed that Google's Androids or Google Androids Google Assistant, which is uh, the equivalent of uh, Apple's Siri, may be secretly recording your conversations. Robert Epstein is an author, editor, longtime psychology researcher and professor, a distinguished scientist who's passionate about educating the public about advances in mental health and the behavioral scientists or behavioral sciences. He's the former editor in chief of Psychology Today, and he's currently senior research psychologist at the American Institute for Behavioral Research and Technology and a, con- a contributing editor for Scientific American Mind. He's also the founder and director emeritus of the Cambridge Center for Behavioral Studies in Massachusetts. Robert Epstein, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm good, Richard. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. All right. Um, Now, there seems to be so much going on now with with Google being in the news. Uh, There's a... uh, uh, they are under investigation in the in the EU, but I, I want to um, for privacy issues. I want to just focus for a moment first on Google uh, and the charges that they are censoring. Explain how this works when when we talk about the algorithms and rejigging the algorithms so that certain sites do not come up in it when when you do a a search on a particular topic. How does that work? Well, Google does censoring in a lot of different ways, uh, you're talking about search results, and that is just one of the ways in which they, in which they censor. And they censor uh, search results in two different ways. One is uh, with what's called an exclusion list, so they can actually just, just remove someone or some business entirely from the search ranking. So, they, so removal, in other words, that's a pretty powerful form of censorship, and that obviously can put a business uh, out of business right away. Sure. Uh, and the other is, is demotion, and they do that a lot as well. They just, if, if, if you uh, violate their terms of service in some fashion, and in most cases you have absolutely no idea what that is, uh, they will demote you, uh, which can, uh, of course, hurt a business quite a bit, and in some cases can put a business out of business. This happens... By the way, not just occasionally, it happens every single day, and they even uh, demote big companies like J.C. Penney. J.C. Penney was, a couple of years ago, was demoted about 100, 100 places <laughs> in search rankings, which, which puts you, you know, out in uh, no man's land, and, and you, you get no sales. And, and what is the motivation here? Do we have a handle on why they would, would target certain uh, companies, certain websites? Is it politically motivated? Uh, do they have an axe to grind one way or the other? Well, of course, everything they do is secret. There's no transparency there at all. Uh, that's one of the things that I write about in that piece in U.S. News and World Report. They just do what they do based on you know internal uh, meetings that they have, and so we don't really know what, why they're doing what they're doing. Now, just lately, just lately, uh, there have been major complaints raised both by organizations who are on the left politically and organizations who are on the right politically, saying they've been uh, demoted in Google search rankings, I mean, quite dramatically, so that their traffic uh, has dropped by uh, 50, 60 percent or more. Uh, and, you know, again, how they make those decisions, uh, nobody knows. But if, and I've read, I've read, um, for example, articles on the Gar- in the Guardian newspaper, and they seem to be focusing on the censorship of left-wing type uh, websites. 
Uh, and then we have the other story, of course, where they are uh, censoring from the right. So if, isn't that often an indication of balance and fairness if you're getting complaints for both sides? So where is the truth? Well, again, the problem, Richard, is we, we don't really know. And, I, and of course, do you, the question is, do you want to have one single for-profit company, which is not accountable to the public, uh, you know, making those those major policy decisions, which have a dramatic impact on uh, hundreds of millions of people. I mean, whose whose hands should those decisions be in? I think most of us would say they they should be in the hands of, uh, you know, some sort of public institution of some sort. Uh, and whatever is going on, of course, it should be transparent, and there should should be some way to challenge uh, what they're doing. And uh, so far, we have none of the above. What they do, they do in secret. There is no way to challenge uh, what they do. Uh, it has a dramatic impact on us, and there's nothing we can do about it. There's a there's a film uh, actually coming out, a documentary film about small businesses that were completely decimated, put out of business uh, because they were demoted in Google's uh, search rankings or removed. And again, there's no recourse. Uh, uh, suing them is a complete nightmare. I can tell you about that if, if you like, because I've been following uh, some of those cases. Yes, please. And, 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 and this kind of censorship is just one. It's not even the biggest form of censorship that Google practices. It's just one. I mean, it's one that we were kind of aware of, and it's frustrating, but that's not the only kind of censorship uh, that, uh, uh, you know, that, that they engage in. Robert Epstein is uh, with us, the uh, former editor-in-chief of Psychology Today. Uh, why did you, how did you get interested in, in this, or why has this become sort of a personal crusade for you, uh, you know, considering your background? Well, first of all, this is one of uh, 12 or 13 different research areas that I'm involved in. I mean, I'm doing major research on parenting and stress management and other things. So this is, this is not my life. This is just one, right. one re- research area that I've gotten interested in. I got interested in it about five years ago because my website got hacked. Uh, nothing weird about that. That happens to everybody, mm-hmm. including to Google, Google itself. Uh, but what, what got me curious, though, was... The fact that I was getting notifications about that from Google, and I was thinking, why is what you know who gave Google that responsibility? Next thing I found out was that they have no customer service department. That seemed a bit strange. Uh, then I found out that it's very easy for Google to block access to websites, even even if you're using a, a browser. Uh, other than their their own Chrome browser, if you're using Firefox or even Apple Safari. Google somehow could block access to websites. That, as a programmer myself, that got me very curious. Yeah, that is curious. I don't understand how they could do that, but I'm not obviously a programmer, but I had no idea that they were able to do that. Well, that's what I'm saying, is that 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 one incident, which was over in about a week, but then it just got me looking at the company a little bit differently. And I can tell you, the more I have looked at Google, the more concerned I have become. Google needs to be shut down or broken up into pieces like we did with AT&T or strictly regulated. Right. Uh, there's no company that should be allowed to have the kinds of 
of power that Google has, and they wield that power quite irresponsibly and quite secretly. I think, yeah, we, we need to start looking at Google as a utility, as you say, much in the same way as uh, AT&T, uh, the telephone company. It's essentially a monopoly, and it is the world's largest you know, purveyor uh, of information. Uh, and with that comes immense, immense power. Uh, what would be required um, to to begin to to regulate uh, Google? Would it require um, being declared a utility? How would that work? Do you have any idea? Well, I can tell you that some steps uh, are being taken now in the EU. Yes. Uh, the, for example, the European Parliament voted already in a non-binding vote um, to break Google up into pieces. So that would be one way of going about it. That's what, exactly what happened with AT&T here in the 1980s. It was our own Department of Justice that, that, that did that. Uh, the EU also, of course, recently fined Google $2.7 billion uh, for having biased search rankings, in other words, for, for putting their own products and services ahead of those of their competitors. And they have two other big antitrust actions uh, underway against Google. So a lot's going to happen in the EU. What, what's going to happen here, it, it's much less clear, but I think now uh, now that Obama is gone, I think uh, because Obama was, was in Google's pocket, I mean, com- completely and totally. I mean, his, his uh, chief technology officer was a former uh, Google uh, executive, and uh, about uh, uh, 250 people while, while Obama was president – went back and forth from high positions in his administration and the Google company. Well, the revolving door scenario seems to be uh, a persistent problem across government, whether it's the Food and Drug Administration and also, as you say, uh, in in this case. Um, So you're you're somewhat hopeful that that under Trump's administration we could see Google broken up? I I think that there's going to be a Serious antitrust action started fairly soon. The problem uh, so far is that, is that uh, the president has has not filled a lot of positions that need to be filled in the Department of Justice. That's uh, that's Correct. the main thing so far that's slowing things down. But I think there is a chance uh, that there will be uh, a pretty serious antitrust action initiated against Google under the current administration. This this was done, of course, under Obama, and then mysteriously, uh, you know, even after the uh, the staff there at the uh, at the uh, this was the Federal Trade Commission. Even after the staff concluded uh, that Google was violating antitrust laws, uh, somehow secretly, magically, uh, early 2013, the whole antitrust action was just stopped. But I think it's going to start up again. I think it's going to start up in a bigger way. I think, frankly, honestly, there are a lot of things happening now. There are too many things to go into here on the air right now. But there are a lot of things happening, suggesting to me. Um, that Google is going down. And I think that is why they reorganized and created this uh, Alphabet holding company. I think that uh-huh. they're trying to preserve the value of the stock uh, for some of the key stockholders because after AT&T went down, the value of their stock instantly dropped by 70%. Uh, Robert Epstein is with us. DrRobertEpstein.com is the website. DrRobertEpstein.com, E-P-S-T-E-I-N. DrRobertEpstein.com. What can you tell us about um, this uh, Google Assistant um, secretly recording people's conversations? And that's for Android users. Of course, it's kind of the equivalent of Siri on on, uh, the iPhone. Well, Google has been 
secretly recording a lot of aspects of what we do, including voice, uh, even before the Google Assistant uh, came out. Uh, you know, now it's just that they're getting more brazen about it. The uh, people got concerned when they came out with Google Glass. You know, the Google Glasses right. that could, that could record people uh, and record uh, videos and so on. Uh, that their concerns about privacy actually, actually shut down that whole project. But they have been secretly recording for a long time through Android through Chrome, in fact, through over a hundred different platforms where people don't realize that they're being tracked. So, for example, if you go any, to any of the uh, millions of websites that use uh, Google Maps, what you don't realize is that any website at all that uses Google Maps, Google is tracking you when you use that website. So there's a fantastic amount of tracking going on. As far as the recording goes, Yes, there is some evidence now that they are recording, uh, if not continuously, uh, almost continuously. Uh, and they're recording not just through the Google Assistant, but through Google Home. And that's much scarier because Google Home is this uh, device they have like Amazon Echo uh, that they're, they're urging people to put into every room in the house. Right. And Google Home, uh, people have looked into this, have found that it is transmitting something all the time uh, to Google. And what could it be transmitting, obviously, other than sound? So, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're stepping up their tracking efforts. And if anything, uh, you know, we're, our privacy is disappearing more and more, uh, largely thanks to Google. But uh, other companies, too, which have, you know, which have, which have seen, you know, that that's where the money is. The, you know, the, 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 that that revenue model uh, is very, very, very profitable. And unfortunately, more and more companies are are mimicking what Google does, and they're they're tracking us more and more. So, I, 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 to be honest with you, I'm sure I'm, I, I know our time is very tight, but I just want to tell you that tracking is just one issue, censorship is another, but the biggest issue of all, which hasn't come up, but I just want to mention it, is actually manipulation. That's the biggest issue is how Google, more than any other company, is using the information they have about us to manipulate us, manipulate what we think, what we believe, how we vote, what we purchase. That's what I study in my, in my experimental research. Well, Dr. Epstein, I would love to have you back on, and, and uh, maybe we'll have you on in, a, in, a, in a, a segment that allows for a more in-depth conversation. Would you be good for that? Oh, absolutely. would love to do it. And, of course, I've, I've also heard you when you guest host Coast to Coast. I'm a Huge fan of Coast to Coast and listening way back to the Art Bell days. Well, we'll get you on there as well because uh, obviously this is something we do need to drill down on um, in, in, in greater depth. Uh, again, the website is Dr. That's D R Robert Epstein E P S T E I N dot com. Dr. Robert Epstein uh, dot com, and um, you know I just I find this so odious. Um, particularly when we look at the way that Google has been operating in China and the oppressive regime, aiding and abetting that, uh, that regime, uh, again, with, with censorship. And it uh, seems like they're trying to do the same thing over here. Again, we'll, ha- we'll have you back on again, uh, Robert. Thank you so much for your time. Very good. Thank you, Richard. All right. When we come back, the Phoenix Lights revisited 20 years later. We'll talk to uh, Victor Vigiani about that. That's coming up next. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. 
You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right. Welcome back. I got a little ahead of myself just going uh, into the last break, and I mentioned uh, Victor Vigiani was coming up next. That's in the next segment, of course, and we will discuss uh, what what seems to be on the surface, sort of the Phoenix Lights revisited 20 years ago, 1997, over 20 years ago, uh, because that happened uh, much earlier in the year. Was it February, I believe? Uh, Of course, you had one of the most uh, documented mass UFO sightings in U.S. history, and... uh, Back on August the 18th, an amateur videographer recorded what appears to be a five different craft in a, uh, in a W formation flying over the, uh, over the city of Phoenix. Uh, and this sighting apparently goes back well into April of this year. So we'll find out from Victor Vigiani what's going on with that in, um, in just moments, really. But first, it is time, of course, for our big reveal, our weekly remote viewing experiment. And again, just a reminder, you've got to tweet your answer to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett, and you must use the hashtag TCS Remote, TCS as in The Conspiracy Show, TCS Remote. And as always, first of all, we'll uh, we'll go around the horn, and uh, in-house, we go to our fine rockabilly friend, Ian Robertson. Ian, what's in the box? It's funny, you always say... Uh Form, texture, or color? Yes. Uh, as soon as you said that, I tasted something sweet. So you never say taste. I noticed that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I tasted something sweet, and then I pictured a sour candy. A sour candy? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But it was sweet. Yeah. A sour candy that's sweet. Is that humanly possible? I don't know. <laughs> All right. What's in the box? Okay. And uh, let's go to uh, Albert. Albert, what's in the box? I like the guess on Twitter by Scott that it's a lighter or a book of matches. Somehow that seems right. And and it seems maybe a nail file will be in there one week. But th- this week, I guessed a, an, an Xbox game or Xbox One. They, they say write down anything that enters your unconscious. And when I came over on the subway, there was an ad for Xbox and somehow that stood out. Interesting. All right. All right, and finally over to you, Ryan. Well, you know what, Ian's sight was interesting because, or his taste rather, because I was thinking it was maybe something from just down the road at the uh, National Exhibition here. Ah. I was thinking maybe maybe cotton candy, but then I thought you know maybe it was like a, a, a prize uh, from, from a game, and so my stronger sight was like a, a stuffed little prize, like maybe a, a stuffed snake. Interesting. All right. You seem to go with themes some, sometimes. You, you're trying to attach it to a particular theme of what's going on. Interesting. All right. Let's go to the uh, the Twitter feed then. Yeah, tons of great sights tonight. Conan sees a metal spring. Uh, Drew sees a toy ray gun or a Star Trek phaser. Uh, Liberty sees a desk stapler. Daniel sees a feather duster. Uh, Mike sees maybe a handheld mirror. John sees a hockey puck. Uh, Larry sees something round and yellow. Uh, Scott sees a, a lighter or, or matches. Uh, Dar sees a roll of lifesavers. Russell, an airplane. Paul, a rock or crystal. Alan, a rubber sink stopper. Wow. James, a kitchen timer. Aaron, a barbecue lighter. Kevin, a long oval. YY, a donut. 
All right, a couple of things in, that are interesting there. Who was it that suggest that, that that saw a feather duster? A feather duster, uh, Daniel. Okay, Daniel. It wasn't a feather duster. It's not a feather duster. But I'll tell you something. I, w- I was down in the uh, the basement of the house, trying to figure out what am I going to put in the box, and there was a feather duster that was hanging from the doorknob leading into my office, and I just looked at it for a moment. I thought, oh, that's not going to fit. It's not going to fit in there. So that's interesting, Daniel. Who said something round and yellow? Uh, Larry. Larry, something round and yellow. Okay, you're in the ballpark. Now, both Ian and Ryan saw something food-related, so that's sort of in the ballpark, too. There's a lifesaver on Twitter, too. Oh, someone said a lifesaver? And and a donut. And a donut. There you go. Some people on food. But I don't don't know. I don't think it's close enough. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I... um, I've got about 30 tomato plants in the backyard, and finally, after all this rain, we're getting a little bit of sunshine, and they're finally starting to ripen. And so here it is, one of the first tomatoes off of my, off of my tomato plants. There it is. Now, round and yellow, I don't know. What do you think? Is that close enough? Not no, quite. I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. Mm. It is juicy, though, and sweet. Organic. It is. It's 100% organic. Thank you for playing. When <laughs> Next week, um, we should point out, know what's in the box. The following week, know what's in the box. But we will resume our weekly remote viewing experiment on uh, the 17th, I guess. Is that right, Albert? On the 17th. That's it. Right. Okay. Uh, just a programming note. Coming up next week on the program, Rosemary Ellen Guiley returns. We missed her last month. She's... She's busy. She's constantly traveling. In fact, she's put all of these amazing paranormal stories uh, coupled with traveling. And she's co-authored this book called The Road to Strange. And uh, she co-authored with a guy by the name of Michael Bryan, who who bills himself as the travel psychologist. And uh, it's all about people's strange paranormal encounters while they're traveling uh, on business or on vacation. And uh, so we'll talk about that. And then also, uh, Jeremy Kagan uh, will be back with us. Jeremy's a, um, um, a, a film a director and um, a TV director. He, he directed episodes of Columbo back in the 70s. He, he's directed episodes of Chicago Hope. He won an Emmy for that. Uh, the West Wing. He's um, directed um, a number of interesting movies, including Roswell. Roswell the movie back in 1994. Uh, that starred uh, Martin Sheen and uh, Kyle MacLachlan uh, from... Kyle MacLachlan, I think, was in Twin Peaks, Sex and the City. Anyway, great movie, uh, Roswell, 1994. So Jeremy Kagan will be here to talk about that, plus his near-death experience, directing Columbo episodes. That'll be fun. A bit of a departure for us. So that's uh, next week on the program. When we come back... Victor Vigiani, Zealand News Network, and uh, we'll talk about the latest mass UFO sighting over Phoenix. Stay tuned. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now, 416-360-0740, or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. 
All right, welcome back. Just ahead in uh, hour two of this transmission, open lines, of course, for the first half hour, followed by um, a visit from Alan Park, a comedian, former cast member of the uh, Air Force, was the uh, host of a popular podcast that delves into similar material that we do here called Conspiracy Queries. Uh, And Alan has uh, been battling cancer over the last several years. In fact, I believe he's been diagnosed twice with cancer, and the prognosis was not good, as in terminal, yet he is still here, defying the odds, and he'll tell us how uh, when uh, when he joins us, rather, at the bottom of the next hour. Uh, Right now, though, I want to talk about this, um, well, there's this video that's uh, gone viral on uh, YouTube, taken by an amateur videographer, I believe. I don't know if we've identified who took the video. I believe it was time-stamped something like August the 18th, and it shows, can we run that? If you're watching the uh, the YouTube live stream, you can see that right now. Ryan will get that up for you. There it is. All right. He's just going to try and... uh, get that rolling. There you see it. It looks like one, two, three, four, five separate craft in kind of a W formation. And there they are moving across the sky uh, over downtown Phoenix. And uh, there are tons of people, dozens and dozens of people out on the street, maybe hundreds, looking up at the sky. And uh, this apparently... Uh, has been going on for some time, back to uh, April. And again, all reminiscent of what happened in Phoenix 20 years ago, the uh, the famous Phoenix Lights. And uh, here to uh, perhaps provide some clarity on this situation is our uh, good friend, Victor Vigiani, the executive director of Zeland Communications and Zeland News Network. And you can read his uh, news articles and press releases at zlandcommunications.blogspot.ca. Victor Vigiani, how are you? Just fine, Richard. How are you doing there? Great, thank you. So you've seen the video, obviously. Huh? Uh, what do we know about, uh, do we know who took this video? I mean, I, I suppose it doesn't matter because when, when you see on the street, there are, there are it looks like maybe a hundred people there looking up at the sky. Oh. Well, uh, we've done some digging on this. Uh, I know when I got the call from you to, uh, to perhaps look into it uh, earlier this uh, week, we, we did some investigation about it uh, through ExoPolitics and, and my good friend Lynn Katai, um, who was the uh, the author of the most original, probably the most comprehensive review of the Phoenix Lights back in 1997 on March 13th. Right. And uh, the information that we've come up with is that uh, collective evolution is, uh, you know, I'm not sure how reputable that particular location is, but uh, they really didn't do their homework. First of all, they reported that this happened over Phoenix, and um, nothing could be further from the truth that happened uh, uh, in Austin, Texas. Ah, interesting. Yes. And uh, I'm getting all the information from various sources. So this is uh, not just from one source. And we've, we've looked at it from uh, four or five different um, uh, resources that we have at our disposal to indicate that uh, this was taken on a street in Austin, Texas, uh, east Sixth Street in Austin, and if you take a look at the uh, the Google Map, uh, it is in Austin, Texas, and it's not anywhere near Phoenix, Arizona. Um, so that's one dead giveaway. The buildings—forget about the lights for a second. Right. Uh, the buildings are exactly as portrayed in Austin, Texas. Uh, there's a tree in the way. It's it's there. 
uh, several of the stores, the storefronts are all there. It is, in fact, um, according to uh, our sources, in Austin, Texas. Now, I guess people said, well, why was it in Austin, Texas that this was sought after or seen? Well, uh, apparently there is a film festival um, held there each year. Right. Uh, it's called South by Southwest. That's right. Huge music festival. That's right. And in order to promote a, um, uh, a film called Phoenix Forgotten, uh, they apparently, and I underline the word apparently, uh, used um, drones. Six or seven or eight uh-huh. drones are there to uh, try to replicate the Phoenix Lights. And uh, the, I guess the producers or whoever they co-opted into doing uh, this thing, in other words, uh, fly these so-called aerial um, machines, uh, how big they were, who knows, uh, whether they were um, sophisticated drones, who knows, I don't know. Um, but they did, in fact, um, launch drones. And it's on, on uh, several websites, they're indicating that uh, this organization, the uh, South by Southwest organization, did use drones to promote uh, the film uh, Phoenix Forgotten. So that's the bottom line on this, and so I guess that's the, 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 the backdrop on it. But the other part of it is uh, the examination of the lights, which could be interpreted, and I've seen many um, uh, so-called UFO um, videos they look exactly as they would be you know, seen in the video that was captured by that one individual and probably dozens of others at the time. Right. Uh, so there really isn't any um, typically anomalous movements of these UFOs. Usually a UFO, whether they're in groups or whether individually, have very bizarre flight characteristics. None of these really displayed that kind of uh, bizarre winking in, winking out kind of uh, behavior that most authentic UFOs have as a characteristic. So there's a lot of factors pointing to um, uh, the the indication or suggestion that this was done as a promotional activity by producers of the uh, the film festival. Excellent work, Victor. Well, that's why we bring you on, of course, because, you know... You know, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, you know, watching all of this, and, and normally I'm I'm the first one to stand up and defend any kind of authentic-looking UFO video. And there's there's uh, there's several of them out there. Uh, the one over Japan, Fukushima, Japan, is, is one of my favorites. Uh, it's totally inexplicable, and there's no possible way that it can be anything else, in my in my uh, you know humble estimation, other than an unidentified flying object. And definitely, as far as I'm concerned, some sort of extraterrestrial presence. It's just um, it's bizarre the way it is portrayed. This has none of those characteristics, as do a lot of the other hoaxed UFO videos that are rampant on the uh, on the internet. And you know, my estimation, along with my good friend Stan Friedman, you know, he says that you know, 99.9 percent of what you see on the internet, as far as videos are concerned, are are not authentic at all. They're just hoaxes. It's the other 1% that we're concerned about. So I think that fits into this category. Well, you know, when you come on and you sort of blow this one out of the water, that only, to me, gives credibility to the work that you do because you're not here saying, well, it, you know, all of them are, are, uh, are real, they're all true, and so forth. You're saying 99.9% of the UFO videos uh, currently online uh, are, are fake. It, it raises an interesting question now with the, with the development of drone technology, uh, and that is it's going to be 
perhaps even more difficult in the future to sort of separate the wheat from the chaff. But you're saying maybe not because they don't, these drones, although I suppose they could be flown in such a manner as to uh, mimic this, you know, the more of an erratic flight pattern. But uh, are you concerned now with the way that, t- that drone technology is emerging, that, that it might make your job harder? Yeah, I, you know, I sort of anticipated that question because I've been asking that of myself lately and many of the others um, in, the, in the UFO research community. We are concerned about that, um, you know, from several points of view. From the most simplistic point of view, Richard, is that um, these things will appear, you know, over Lake Ontario here in, in, in Canada or some other, you know, remote place in, uh, you know, southern Vermont or whatever. Um, the, the, unless the, these drones are developed uh, to be um, able to move at some of the speeds that these UFOs can in fact travel, and these, these things can travel within our own airspace, so we've, they've shown it at up to 11 or 12,000 miles per hour uh, without breaking the sound barrier. If these drones develop that kind of capability, A, we're in trouble, and B, my sense is that the drones that we have at our disposal right now, unless they have some sort of arcane type of propulsion system, even jet propulsion systems, which is not possible with a, with a simple drone yet, uh, they could never mimic the, the flight characteristics of an authentic um, UFO that's under the control of, of um, potentially um, you know, extraterrestrial beings or um, the, the, the flight characteristics of some kind of craft that the U.S. government or other governments have developed uh, using um, arcane energy uh, sources that can move these things that fast, anti-gravitically anyways. So it's a double-edged sword in a lot of ways, but I think that the UFO research community has the acuity to tell the difference at this point in time, but the public will be fooled many, many times over on this whole issue by these drones. Uh, Victor Vigiani is with us, Executive Director of Zealand News Network and Zealand Communications. Zealandcommunications.blogspot.ca is uh, the website. You can read uh, his uh, dispatches and press releases and, and articles and so forth. Uh, Victor, you, you, you mentioned that you were talking with um, Dr. Lynn Kitai, of course, who was at the forefront of the, the, the original Phoenix Lights sighting mm-hmm. back 20 years ago. Um, are there any new developments in, 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 in that story? Have there been since since um, uh, 97, any other mass sightings in, in Phoenix? Not really. Um, they, they've had some sort of um, uh, fireball, uh, how can I put it, uh, displays, and we're not quite sure um, that they've been defined as any other kind of uh, flares or anything like that. But there have been several fireballs um, uh, Displays in in the Phoenix in the Phoenix area, but nothing, absolutely nothing, like the craft, the uniform craft that uh, that flew over the Phoenix area, um, that was witnessed by literally hundred uh, over a hundred thousand people in Phoenix. So um, the, these fireballs are very anomalous, and we're not sure exactly what causes them. I don't really have that kind of research at my at my fingertips, but they do in fact um, exist. And uh, it can be cause for concern, but that's really the only thing in the Phoenix area that has really manifested itself to even replicate, come close to replicate uh, what's been what was seen back in uh, uh, in uh, March of of, of 1997. All right, Victor. Well, um, just to re uh, to repeat and to sum up the um, the video reporting to show five separate. Uh, craft, alien craft, in a W formation over Phoenix is a hoax. 
in fact, the uh, the location was not Phoenix at all. It was downtown Austin, Texas, and it appears that the uh, the lights were created by drones as part of a promotional campaign uh, for a uh, a film about the Phoenix Lights. That's right. All right, Victor, great work as always. Thank you so much, my friend. One more thing. Absolutely. Two seconds. Uh, We just found out, Richard, that uh, the the film by Dr. Greer, Unacknowledged, is now on Canada Next Netflix. uh, I just found that out uh, yesterday. So anyone, we had the uh, the film Unacknowledged shown at the Alien Cosmic uh, Expo in June of this year. But we just found out that if anyone wants to watch this uh, original and dynamite uh, piece of uh, piece of documentation and film, it's available on Netflix here in Canada. Excellent. Good to know. Well, thank you for that, Victor. Okay. All right. Well, stay well, my friend. Talk soon. Thanks very much for having me on. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. There you go. You see, it's uh, we do some debunking on this program from now. Uh, every now and then. All right, open lines awaits on the other side. So please, as always, bring your A game. Uh, Just about anything goes. If you want to talk about what you've heard previously on this program, uh, for example, uh, if you want to talk about uh, Google with uh, Robert Epstein, uh, it'll be interesting to see, Ryan and Albert, after our our discussion with uh, Robert Epstein, whether uh, our YouTube video tonight is demonetized. (laughs) We shall find out. All right, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, that's the, the number to call in the greater Toronto area as we head into open lines, toll-free from out of town and just about anywhere, You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate and your cabin in the woods. And a special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM, here in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto. And uh, those of you, of course, catching us on the uh, the podcasts, uh, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, iTunes, TalkZone.com, the apps, of course, the Zoomer Radio app, the Conspiracy Show app, both free downloads available for iPod and Androids. And um, those of you, of course, watching us on the, uh, the YouTube live stream and participating in the live chat, wherever and however you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Open lines now until the bottom of the hour. Here's how it works. It's real simple. You use these phone numbers. You call in and we chat. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll free from out of town, one 866 740 1-866-740-4740. We can talk uh, conspiracy, political subterfuge, geopolitics. We can talk the paranormal. It's all up to you. All right. You know, it's funny. Um, 
on the live chat, I, I, I noticed someone on the YouTube live chat was um, kind of taken aback that I was taking a bite out of my tomato. <laughs> that, in case you're just joining us, uh, the tomato was the, uh, the hidden object in our What's in the Box, our weekly remote viewing experiment. I plucked it from our garden today. A nice ripe tomato, one of the first big ones off the vine. We've had so much rain up here um, this year, and it's been so cool that I was starting to wonder if they would ever ripen. But they're slowly, they're coming around now. And it's uh, someone mentioned that it looked like a Fukushima tomato. Come on, it's a, it's, it's. I don't know, it's not an heirloom, but it's, it's about as organic as you can get, folks. No pesticide, and uh, grown uh, with the sweat of my brow. I'm kind of proud of it. Anyway. Uh, you know, I couldn't stand tomatoes as a kid, and now I can't get enough of them. And I'll actually I'll grab one off the vine and just eat it like an apple. Delish. All right. Uh, oh, just a reminder, coming up at the bottom of the hour is, you know, I'm having some trouble with my headset. Ryan, would you do me a favor and reach down my, my headset controls over here and just turn that up a little bit? There we go. That's better. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. Um, coming up in the, uh, at the bottom of the hour comedian, a cast member from the Royal Canadian Air Force, Alan Park will be with us. Alan, of course, was also the uh, the host of a very popular podcast called Conspiracy Queries that aired for a time, I believe, on Sirius XM. And uh, he has a new podcast and in sort of a whole new direction, chronicling his amazing journey fighting back cancer, not once, but twice, I believe. Uh, and both times the prognosis was not good, but he is still standing and uh, he'll talk about his new podcast, which is called Green Crush. He'll talk about his his battle with cancer and uh, cannabis oil. All right, uh, let's uh, begin, and we'll dive into the phones as we begin our open line segment. And we say hello to Maureen. Is it Maureen in Barry? Yeah, that's right. Hi, Maureen. Is it Hi. Maureen or Maureen? Maureen. Maureen. Hey. Yeah, How are it doesn't you? matter. <laughs> Anyhow, what I'm calling about is that about. Six weeks ago, I used my cell phone as a clock because it's more accurate, constantly keeps excellent time on that, eh? So I took a, a glance at it and it said 10.03. Well, as I'm putting it down, I notice it now says 10.02. Hmm. So I'm watching and watching, and yeah, it goes back to 10.03. So I thought, okay, I must have just misread it wrong. Well, about two weeks after that, I'm waiting for a bus. Now, in Barrie, <clears throat> we have transfers that the, if you can get on and off the bus and do your business, get back on the bus within an hour and a half, it's free. So I'm waiting for the bus, and I've seen it's been waiting for a while, so I check my phone, and the thing says <clears throat> 848. And Seriously? Think, 848? Right. 848. And I'm thinking, that's not right, because it was 930 when I left where I had finished my business, eh? And earlier, you said it was 1003 before that. Oh, no, this was a few weeks ago. Oh, I'm sorry. You lost a minute, but now it started at 9.30, and it rolled back to 8.48? No, it, yeah, it was, yeah, it was. I finished my business. It was about 9.30. I'm out waiting for the bus to take a look at my phone. It says 8.48. So I think mean, that can't be right. So I checked it again, and yes, it says 8.48. And, uh, well, I'm waiting for the bus, or waiting and looking in that time to <clears throat> see the bus coming. And all of a sudden, the bus is there. And she just drives right past. Well, fortunately, she had a red light, so I went over pounding the door. And she says, no, you have to be at the bus stop. And I said, I was at the bus stop. She didn't see you. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the final 
nail in the coffin, so to speak, was two weeks ago. Again, this is concerning buses and that. I had a day pass, which meant I could get on the bus as often as I liked for the one fare. So I get on the bus, and the couple that gets on behind me, an older couple, um, he deposits money, gets transfers, and about a minute later goes back up to the bus driver and says, these transfers are an hour and a half old. Oh, get out of town. already expired. Get out of town. And there's just no way that uh, anyone could have tampered with the fare box because it's all locked up, and the only one's got a key. They can't even replace uh, the transfers and that. Right, right. And it didn't even occur to me until a little while ago that if I had not had the day pass and I had paid the money, I would be the one with the expired transfers. Well, And I should point out, uh, Maureen and Barry, as you're discussing this disappearing time that's happening to you, I think it's important for Clarity to point out when you mention a day pass, you're talking about a bus pass and not the other kind of day pass, which may (laughs) undermine your story if you you catch my my drift. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I've I've spoken to you once before, and I figure you think I'm a bit of a a flake. But trust me. No, no, no. You sound anything. You sound you sound very genuine, uh, Maureen. I have no cause to doubt you. What do you think is going on? I don't know, Uh, but I thinking back on it, I have had instances in that where this has occurred before, but I haven't been really aware of it until I started reading up on the Mandela effect. Ah, yes. And while I think a lot of the stuff on the Mandela effect can be disproved. I mean, it's possible this is what's happening because I remember the uh, Monopoly game and the, the little man having a monocle, but I thought to myself, well, maybe they just rebranded it. And, oh, you, know, you mean I on the uh, on the box? That's right. The man yeah. with the top hat was yeah. had a monocle. Hmm, yeah. interesting. Trying to make it look more modern or something, so I didn't... Right. No, as I said, there's things that can be disproved, but the this thing with the time has got me. I can't it's, get it, any alternative to it. And it almost seems to be ramping up because first it was just a, 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 a short little time dilation, if you will. Yeah. It went from 10.03 to 10.02, and then then it went from 9.30 to 8.48, and then the next thing you know, they, they can't see you at the bus stop, and then your transfer is an hour and a half out of date. What's next? Yeah, like this is it. As I said... It was the couple that was behind me that got the transfers that were an hour and a half behind. But had I paid for the fare, right? then it would have been mine again. <laughs> and I'd still be looking like a nut. <laughs> oh, dear. Listen, uh, let you know, check in with us, um, you know, if this ever happens again. This is... Yeah. Are you documenting this, writing these down? No, actually, I should, though. You certainly should. Mind you, if I, if I wrote down everything that's ha- happened to me, I'd be right up there with, the, with Sylvia Brown and that for experiences. Well, there may be a book there, Maureen. I think everyone has a book in them. <laughs> everyone. So. All right, Maureen, thank you. That was That's fascinating and a little scary, quite frankly. Yeah, it is to me, too, when you start to wonder what the heck is happening. All right, well, listen, Maureen, don't go anywhere. I mean, we'll, we'll end the phone call, but I mean, you know, don't go anywhere, if you, if you know what I'm saying. And please um, uh, check in with us from time to time. Let us know that you haven't disappeared. <laughs> Will do. All right, Maureen. Okay, thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That, I tell you, that has to be one of the most fascinating calls we have taken in a long, long time. All right, uh, t- to uh, Travis in Colorado. Travis, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Good morning. Great. 
Great, Richard. Thanks for having me on the program. And whereabouts in Colorado are you calling from? Uh, I'm in Denver. Ah, in Denver. Excellent. All right. How are things in Denver? Pretty good. <laughs> Weather's nice right now. Good, good. Okay. So, what's uh, on your mind, Travis? Yeah, so actually I just wanted to piggyback off of Dr. Epstein. He made a greater point about uh, controlling the narrative being sort of the end game, and I think that's exactly right. Um, he did seem a little light on um, why Google might be doing this or why the industry as a whole may be acting that way, and I wanted to maybe be, uh, shed some light on some more uh, and you're referring to, for those just joining us, we had Dr. Robert Epstein on earlier. He's a, a psychologist, a former editor-in-chief of Psychology Today, and um, he's been railing really against not only censorship at, at Google, uh, and there's a number of ways that they do that. One of the ways is, of course, they can uh, manipulate their algorithms. So on your search engine, certain websites are excluded, or as he pointed out, certain businesses essentially are blacklisted. Right. Um, so... Um, what did you, go ahead, Travis. What did you want to say sure. about that? So, um, first of all, it's industry-wide. It's not limited to Google. Uh, it all does kind of tie together with some um, similar players. Uh, Mozilla actually adopted uh, several of its um, behavioral policies from a site. If you use direct quotes from those policies, they trace back to a site called Geek Feminism that was written uh, by Valerie Aurora, who ran a feminist organization called the Ada Initiative, uh, that is open source and tech focused. Okay. Um, it's sort of a women in tech kind of um, advocacy type group. All right. And um, and so essentially a guy named Eric S. Raymond, who is a fairly famous software developer, and uh, he made NetHack and did a, he's an open source advocate. He put out a blog post actually this week. Um, warning male open source leaders and senior figures in tech not to be alone at conferences because um, he his sources are telling him that um, things like the the ADA, the ADA initiative are actually out um, quote collecting scalps. So oh dear. Yeah. So these sort of like radical people are really trying to inject themselves into the industry and they have in many ways so this is part of uh, what i call the sort of the uh, the cultural marxism that is infiltrating yeah. virtually every aspect of of our society in western civilization right. and it hates western civilization uh it um, hates capitalism and uh, so but why would google i mean <laughs> why would google participate in something like that they're making money well, hand over fist they're certainly well, they're, they, that doesn't mean they're free enterprisers, that's for sure. Anyway, listen, we've what? got to uh, – uh, Travis, hold on. I'm going to take a time out. I'll come back to you on the other side, okay? Interesting call. Okay, sure. Great points. All right. Open Lines continues. 416-360-0740. Toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. From Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes corporations... 
Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Hey, Ryan, uh, um, YouTube is Google, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So, what? okay, let's go around the table here. What are the odds that uh, this this program is going to be demonetized? What would you say, Ryan? Well, I'm going to try to tag it very carefully <laughs> and not say, like, oh, evil Google in, in the title and thumbnail. All right. But we'll see. Okay. What do you think, Albert? Well, I, I think Dr. Epstein has integrity because he's he's boycotting. Like, he there was no reply to Gmail. Then I wrote to Hotmail, and there was a reply within the next five minutes. Oh, he does because he won't use Gmail, of course. Yeah, yeah. he won't use Gmail. So, oh, right. so, I mean, that's even though he didn't answer, I mean, that's one good way you could defend yourself. Just, you know, boycott Google. No, but I, what I'm saying is, no, there's no question that he has integrity, and there's no question that this is an important issue, and news outlets all over the world are reporting on it. I mean, it's on the record. It's, you know, this, these are the accusations. But my my question to you is, <laughs> let's see, you know, I, 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 it'll be interesting. I'm I'm betting you this will be demonetized. We'll see. We'll see what I can do with the tagging and whatnot. All right. Yeah, it's, a, it's another issue for Trump. It's, it's the same when FDR, you know, broke up anything that gets too big. Well, it was uh, it was um, Teddy Roosevelt who did that. Broke up Standard Oil. A lot of good that did. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, oh, t- uh, Travis is still on hold from Denver, Colorado, and he was uh, addressing uh, uh, the motivation why Google is is censoring and manipulating uh, the message. Do you think they should be, uh, or will they be, um, basically classified as a utility and um, come under regulation, perhaps broken up the way that uh, AT and T was? Um, you know that that might be part of the part of the strategy. I mean, if I was actually going to touch on that point, um, you know, if the strategy is to inject themselves as deeply as possible into these companies, making it a utility might just make it all the more easy for them to control the narrative. I mean, at that point, it's going to be very hard to root out people who have been involved in the process for as long as some of these people have. And, I mean, some of the people that Google has associated itself with are, are not great folks, you know? I mean, right. um, and uh, to your point about YouTube, I'm not sure if you're aware of this new unreachable state, uh, the limited state that they've just implemented, but um, it's basically a sort of, um, sort of the phantom zone from Superman that they put Zod in. Essentially, that's what happens to your, that's what happens to your video. It's, uh, it's a sort of new. I think it's within the last couple of weeks they've implemented it, where essentially your video can't be linked, shared, uh, commented on, subscribed to anything. It's just um, stuck, and there are already a couple of videos that have fallen to that. Um, All right. Well, that's kind of a, maybe a, a badge of honor. Let's see if we can... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Well, listen, obviously, uh, this is a huge issue. And, and uh, if you can't talk about this sort of thing, that just oh, that only you know, speaks to the, the, the control that Google, in fact, does have. Travis, great call. Uh, I appreciate you uh, checking in with us. I hope we'll, uh, you'll call again. For sure. Uh, I'd like to make one more point about the blackballing. Okay. That's that's not that's not just um, speculation. There there are actually people associated with Google who are on record um, talking about Demore and saying, you know, you'll never be hired at our company. And the companies are talking. These are all tweets you can look up. 
Right. Um, so that you know, there there is conversation between these people to make sure that any unwanted elements are kept out. Well, it's so. interesting. Uh, just kind of a final point, and thanks for the call, Travis. I, it's almost like Google is the microcosm of what's going on throughout society. When you have someone, this uh, Dan Moore gentleman, who was fired because uh, he was trying to help the company, he wrote this memo, basically. Uh, trying to demonstrate to Google that their their diversity um, philosophy is misguided, which is true. I mean, we we're so hyper focused now on this word diversity, the superficial level of diversity, right? Doctor King, Doctor King wanted us to right. judge each other by our character, not the color of our skin. But now the color of our skin seems to be tantamount. It seems to be a priority, not only. Uh, in, in, in uh, certain places of work, but also in, in academia. Uh, all this poor employee was trying to point out is what about the most important kind of diversity, and that's a diversity of opinion. And for that, he was fired, which is, I don't know, they seem to have some sort of an irony deficiency over there at Google where they, they couldn't see the, the irony of that situation. All right, Travis, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Richard. All right, let's go to uh, Fred in Buffalo. Hey, Fred, good morning. Welcome. Richard, how you doing? Tonight? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, I listen to you quite often, and I really wasn't going to call in, but then something strange happened while I was listening to you and the young lady before which before the your last gentleman. Oh, Maureen and Maureen and Barry, who was uh, experiencing some rather bizarre time slips. Well, speaking of time slips, while you were broadcasting your conversation with her towards the last minute or two of your conversation, all of a sudden, the show prior to you, Big Band, Sunday night, was broadcasting in the background from previously. Really? On my radio. So it's like, as she's talking, you could hear it. I'm like, oh, this has just got to be something, you know, it. but then all of a sudden, when she stopped talking and hung up, it stopped. Well, let's just check in with my producer. Ian, is that possible? So it wasn't going, Big Band Sunday night wasn't going out over the uh, the feed, right? No, but the thing is, it can be AM sound waves that bounce around the world, right? Right. But I don't know. Yeah, Could be his radio thing. having a time slip. His radio was having a time slip. There's a thought. Well, yeah, it was just kind of strange that while she's talking about it, because I listened to that show also before you. Right. And the parts that were playing were from way back in the beginning of his show. Interesting, interesting. For those uh, who are listening to this uh, program on one of our affiliates and they don't listen to it on Zoomer Radio, our flagship station, Big Band Sunday Night with George Janescu, that's the show uh, that precedes this one. Uh, So Fred is saying that uh, during our conversation with Maureen, who was talking about time slips, you actually heard Big Band Sunday Night from earlier in the evening, coming through the radio. Absolutely. And that's the only reason I called in, because I figured, you know, it's like, this is just too weird to be going on right now, you know? Especially, you know, because that was the topic you were talking about. So I figured I would, you know, let you know that it happened. I appreciate that, Fred, in Buffalo. Thank you for uh, for your ears and, uh, and uh, drawing that to my attention. If there's anyone else out there who heard Big Band Sunday Night playing... 
during my conversation with Maureen as she was discussing time slips, you know, give us a call because uh, we, we could use some corroborating evidence for Fred in Buffalo. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Just a reminder, coming up at the bottom of the hour, Alan Park, his uh, new podcast is called Green Crush, and we'll, t- we'll talk how he conquered cancer uh, not once but twice, I believe. Uh, let's check in with Alaska, and Alan is joining us. Hello, Alan. Good morning. Hi, Richard. Hi Good there. evening. And whereabouts are you in Alaska, Alan? Uh, about 100 miles from Fairbanks. All right. So um, give us a bit of a geography lesson. Is that the, uh, what, what, what part of the state is that? Central? Uh, we're kind of in the eastern part of the state. Uh, it's not, I'm closer to the Yukon or, or uh, Northwest Territories than I am the rest of the United States. I'm pretty close to uh, northern Canada. Ah, okay. And what do you do up there in, near Fairbanks, uh, Alan? Uh, I, uh, I, I work uh, as, uh, in security. Okay. And how's the summer been up there? It's been uh, nice, as it always is, cool and very rainy, a lot cooler than normal and, and wetter than normal. We only get normally about 11 inches of rain. We've got, uh, I don't know how many inches, but we've, we've had a wet summer. Well, the same, same as down here in Toronto. All right, Alan, what, what's on your mind tonight, this morning? Well, well I was going to ask you early on, I was just kind of curious what you've been thinking about all these, uh, these rallies, freedom rallies and whatnot, being canceled because of, uh, of uh, left-wing pressure. And it kind of tied in with the cultural Marxism you were talking about a bit, because if you watch the news and everything, the media and Google, uh, it's kind of like if you control uh, all media sources, you control reality, you control what people think, which I see happening uh, more and more, uh, uh, seems like. Uh, it does. It is worrisome. Any of these crazy groups, if they're, if they're hurting people, if they're rioting, if they're tearing, people, tearing stuff up and hurting people, whether they're left-wing or right-wing, they're terrorists. But that's the definition of terrorism, trying to get your aims by violence. Absolutely. Uh, violence and intimidation. Intimidation is also, you know, you don't have to be violent in order to intimidate people. Uh, you just have to be aggressive. And we're seeing that. Obviously, you know, you can't say it enough. The white supremacists and the neo-Nazis, they are the, you know, the scum of the earth. But, um, and I, as soon as I say but, I'm sure people are going to take exception. Oh, you can't draw moral equivalence. All right, fine. You can't draw moral equivalence. But we also have to talk about, prior to Charlottesville, what's been going on around the country in the United States on college campuses where this, these um, anarchists, left-wing, extreme left-wing groups, Antifa certainly has been part of it, have been utilizing tactics that are odious, and dangerous, and destruction of public property, property attacking, uh, and we're not talking about attacking white supremacists and neo-Nazis. Listen, as my father used to say, who fought in the Second World War, I like my Nazis swinging from the lamppost, all right? But I'm talking about um, people who are guilty of nothing more than having a conservative viewpoint, um, being denied the right not only to speak at a college campus, but also even appear not to speak. Um, this is odious, and uh, I, I read with interest recently there were 200,000 signatures uh, on a petition to declare Antifa a terrorist organization. That'll be interesting to follow. But I am concerned about how now all conservative or anything that's perceived as right-wing, whatever that means these days, uh, is considered hate speech, and this is dangerous. This is dangerous. There was a prayer rally in San Francisco that was canceled. 
and even uh, Nancy Pelosi was was basically referring it to to it as, as as hate speech. It was a prayer rally. Is this really where we're at in 2017? Unfortunately, yes, and it's um, it's scary. Every time it's mentioned, it's called a, a right wing rally, even though it was a like you say, a prayer rally. Well, even if it was a right-wing rally, and this bears repeating, and I've mentioned it a number of times, and I, you know, people like Dinesh D'Souza have done great work on this, and others. Uh, but when you take a conservative and you move him to the right, you don't get a fascist. Fascism is born from extreme left-wing ideology. Mussolini was, of course, the founder of fascism. He wrote for a socialist uh, magazine. He was... A Marxist, he wrote a lengthy review of FDR's New Deal. He was very complimentary. FDR sent uh, Democratic uh, administration um, um, a uh, a group of them over to Italy to to examine this wonderful progressive named Mussolini and his programs. There was a mutual admiration society. When Mussolini marched on Rome in 1922, Vladimir Lenin, the newly uh, revolutionary leader of the Soviet Union, sent him a note of congratulation. Why? Because they were fellow travelers. Hitler was the leader of the German Workers' Party, later the German National Socialist Party. Fascism comes from the left, not the right. If you take a conservative, and I think this was one of Dinesh, uh, Dinesh D'Souza's point, if you take a conservative and you move him to the right, to the right, to the right, what does he do? Does he turn into a fascist? No, he's probably pulling stop signs out of the ground because he wants less and less government. Um, This, it needs to be pointed out. We're not talking about liberals here. Conservatives and liberals have tremendous common ground. In fact, what's interesting is the classical liberal, the woman or man who used to stand up and say, I don't like what you're saying, but I will defend to the death your right to say it, that is now an idea that is being held by conservatives. Today's conservatives are actually classical liberals. The world is upside down. And libertarians. Indeed. Alan, thank sure. you for uh, checking in, and uh, all the best for you. Great show. Thank you. Bye. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Uh, Mark is in New York. Mark, good morning. The final oh, call to you. Chesapeake Bay, down, uh, down in Southern Maryland. Oh, Ma- Southern Maryland. Welcome, welcome. Yes. And I uh, was letting you know that your listener from New York, I heard the same thing. I'm listening uh, over the Skywave, AM 740, and uh, George Janescu's program started to just bleed in over your show and finally completely drowned it out for about two minutes and then faded away. I never heard that before. And that was while I was talking to Maureen uh, from Barry about, the, the about time, time slips. slips. Yeah, so I was maybe it was Maureen. Here. Maybe it was Maureen because maybe Maureen. She's, maybe it was. I don't know, but I, I do appreciate that she uh, called in. I, I, that's a new one on me. And you were saying that the the big band Sunday night show was playing over this show for about two minutes. Well, yeah, but it wasn't. It didn't pop on. It started to fade in like a faraway station, and then it got. It finally just took over the sound, and then it faded away. Interesting. Yet we and didn't hear that here about, on the on our on air feed. Interesting. Well, that's just what we heard out here on the Skywave. I appreciate you checking in with that story, Mark, in uh, Chesapeake Bay. Beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Thank you for this. You're welcome. Have a good night. Keep up the good work. Same to you, my friend. All right, comedian Alan Park. A new podcast to tell you about called Green Crush. Here's a clue: cancer. Cannabis oil. I'm not telling you one cures the other. Can't do that. 
but he'll tell you his story on the other side. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Well, this is going to be a a remarkable half hour, I think, uh, from a remarkable uh, young man. Alan Park is uh, an actor, writer, known, of course, for his... uh, uh, work on the Royal Canadian Air Farce, the long-running sketch comedy program up here in Canada, the Wall of Comedy, uh, pop-cultured, with over three decades of stand-up comedy experience and multiple seasons as a principal on the CBC Television's Royal Canadian Air Force. Alan Park uh, brings a wry wit and a spot-on comic observation to some of the darkest, scariest things out there, things other shows don't even want to ask. And, of course, he is... Uh, also the host of the uh, the podcast Conspiracy Queries, which ran for a, a while on Sirius XM. He's got a brand new podcast out called Green Crush, and he's here to tell about his uh, remarkable battle, uh, one that he appears to be winning, uh, a battle with cancer. Alan Park, great to have you on The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm very well. I'm happy to say the numbers are great. How about that Trump? <laughs> What's How about going that, on Trump? Out there? Why did I come back for this? <laughs> you know, I was on the other half, right? I was, I was going down the chute. I was circling the drain like a penny at the carnival when it comes out of those gumball machines, and I was almost at the end of the spiral. It was just about at the bottom, and we had Harper and Bill C-51, and it was terrible, and everybody was saying, Justin, Justin, let's change the whole thing. And now they've changed the whole thing, and now I'm back, and I kind of don't know why I'm doing that sometimes. I've asked the prime minister to look in, by the way. I hope you're looking, sir. I know when I contacted you, it said, you got to wait a week before you reply to these type of emails, but I hope you're catching the show anyway. Having a good summer. Alan, I'm, I'm concerned about your lack of energy. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's let's begin with your uh, your diagnosis. Um, yeah. What what type of cancer did you have, and when was that diagnosis made? Well, November twentieth, twenty thirteen, was the culmination of a gradual and building year of pain uh, beyond all description. And I'm not saying that for sympathy, although I might have at the time if I had the balls to come out and tell people I'd been stricken. But to be honest, I was petrified. So there's a lot of people out there that have this thing that are petrified. I know that because I was one, and I've managed to do things about it. So there's a lot of people maybe listening to this right now or watching this. And, and uh, I hear you. It's really scary, but um, I can guarantee it's way better to just say, hey, I've got this. Help me out. And what kind of cancer was it? Stage 4 prostate that had already metastasized into much of my bones. Uh, they called it aggressive and advanced. Stage four. Yeah. Uh, so the prognosis was what? Uh, okay. So, well, I got diagnosed November 20th, and then they have to, you know, that's a pretty dire diagnosis you'll have to Yeah, attend. stage four. And so they yep. want to leap right into action and get on it with the specialist. And so then five weeks later, 
Five weeks later, I'm uh, I'm going to see the specialist. And um, before I got there, though, I decided to do cannabis oil. And we can get into that in any detail you like, but just to say, fast forward and try to you know put people's mind at ease. As soon as I got the diagnosis, I was aware that I needed to do this. It was in the news. I'd heard about it, and to be quite honest, something came into my head and said, "You need to get involved in medical cannabis." And I kind of argued with it. You know, I said, "But I haven't smoked a joint in a long. Doesn't matter. You need to get into medical cannabis." And that was just before the diagnosis. And uh, so I did. I procured it three days after the uh, after the diagnosis. I went to YouTube, thanks, and um, Googled up how to do this and uh, to make the oil. And I was petrified because of the steps involved. And then I started taking it. And three days later, I was I was kind of out of pain for the first time in many many months. And then uh, on the way to this uh, urgently uh, necessarily scheduled thing, five weeks later, uh, somewhere in between Christmas and New Year's, I think it was. Um, I got the news uh, that that it was stage four, and it was so aggressive. Had a PSA level of 700. Um, I guess a lot of my, maybe a lot of the listeners don't know if they're if they're younger or or if they're female. Sometimes they don't know, but the PSA score is a prostate specific antigen, and I had a 700. Not good. Now you're supposed to top out at around 2.53, four of the max. Mm. The big thing is when it doubles. If you ride a four and I ride a two. You're okay, but if I double over to the four, maybe I have a problem. So anyway, that's immaterial when you're at 700. So, and I'm laughing because I got it, because I'm here, because I earned it, because I got it back. But um, it was funny to find out that after five weeks of taking this regular oil, before I got to the expert diagnosis slash prognosis, before I got to be told, uh, you know, what the options were or weren't going to be, this is immediately on the heels of the diagnosis. Right. And they were recommending aggressive, what, radiation, chemotherapy? No, before we get to that, Ah. though, I'm saying my PSA had had been knocked down to 374, and this Ah. puzzled the fellow no end. And so at that meeting, uh, he then, you know, what what am I good for? What are we going to do here? And he uh, informed me that I was uh, well beyond the use of chemotherapy. Well beyond. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I was too. I was too far beyond for that. And radiation. There was nothing available for me in a um, in a restorative sense. So he said, "Go home and get your things in order." Yeah, he gave me about ten to twelve months of that. Would have put it at uh, Halloween or Christmas that year. That would have been 2014. So I'm looking forward to the third anniversary of my third of my <laughs> funeral this year. <laughs> How do you take the cannabis oil? Uh, anally. Um, and it's so, a family show, Alan. Yeah, I do, though. It's called the suppository. Okay. It's a suppository. And uh, I also take it in, a, in an oral sense. Now, you don't just take it all the time. It comes in a course. It's called Rick Simpson Oil for a reason. Rick it's, Simpson. That name is familiar. Yeah. Uh, now, He's Canadian. Yeah. And yeah. wasn't he sort of exiled in Eastern Europe at one point? Uh, at one point, and I don't think he's very welcome right now from no. what I know. I haven't been able to speak to him. I sure would like to say thank you, though, because he's got a crazy little recipe that worked really well for me. And how did you, are you able to tell us how you got it? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. So you have to obtain cannabis, and you have to get it right now because you're at stage four and there's nothing else going on. And even if you're going to get top flight care, which I had to wait five weeks to find out I wasn't going to have any of that, Mm -hmm. um, you want to get busy because by the time they retest you to commence the conventional treatment, 
um, you're going to have different numbers, and right. you're going to know why that is. So you can't really lose anything. People say, people, uh, you know, they get really uptight about the, the whole allopathic thing. You should listen to your doctor. And I say, I did listen to my doctor. He gave me no option. But I had already started doing this before right, the right. official, you know, what are we going to do? What's our plan? Right. And you see the results. I mean, I was out of pain. I was able to lift my legs again and, and bend down to the floor, all kinds of things that had been dwindling away from me all summer. I mean, I, I, uh, I have, uh, we have uh, mutual friends that were with you sort of, you know, uh, w- while you were on death's door, so I know yeah. this. This is the real deal. This is legit. So yeah, two bounces. That was uh, you, you kept saying in the intro. I think it was twice. It was twice. Yeah. All right, let, we're going to take a time out, uh, Alan. Sure. Stay with us. Uh, I mean that for a long, long time. We'll uh, come back and uh, continue to talk about cannabis oil and cancer. Alan Park stays with us, and we'll tell you about his new podcast, Green Crush, The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. And we are back with Alan Park, comedian, former cast member of the Royal Canadian Air Force and uh, the host of the podcast Conspiracy Queries. He has a new one uh, called Green Crush. He's here telling us about his uh, battle uh, with cancer. Battle, he kicked its ass. And uh, we are discussing the possible role uh, that cannabis oil uh, played in his recovery. Is Are you cancer-free now, Alan? This is a bit of an unknown because I go for blood tests on a regular basis, and all my numbers are testing normally, and everything's fine. But I have to keep going because once you ding the stage four bell, you got to keep showing up for class, or then you might get worried about you. Uh, and so, do you do you remain on the the Rick Simpson oil regimen as a precaution, or how does that work? Yeah, I go on and off of it in a in a you know as long as you're sort of. A, reinflating the bag every once in a while, so to speak. I mean, I did the course. The course is a 90-day course initially, and uh, that's 60 grams of consumption of this oil. Now, we can talk about the numbers and everything, but basically you're taking one plant, which reduces down to one pound is one plant, and one plant is 60 grams, and you whistle that in over 90 days. There's a lot of really neat, even numbers there, and um, it's really effective if you keep at it. But basically... What we don't seem to realize and what we don't hear while the policy is being said about how we're going to be arresting more people and we're, you know, these people that are setting the agenda for cannabis moving forward are self-proclaimed. Uh, they don't use it. They're avowed non-users, which is kind of like having a sommelier at the liquor store who doesn't drink. <laughs> so we got we to gotta take the, we got to have the different perception here that the folks that don't want it and don't like it and don't understand it are the ones setting policy. So... I had to do that right away. I didn't have to fill out forms and wait. I just had to jump in because I was going to die real soon. And when you realize that, that the paperwork is a formality, if I waited for it, I could have waited three or four months before I was legal. Right. So 
you know, it's, it's kind of important, but that the thing I wanted to get at scientifically was that we have these systems in our body. We, we have our, our digestive system and our cardiopulmonary system and our, our lymphatic system and the electromagnetic system of all the impulses in our body, but we also have an endocannabinoid system. And um, this is a documented fact. It's been known for years, since the 60s. Um, and, and this thing is basically starved to death in your body if you don't consume this stuff. This is a food. So there are receptors. There are are cannabis receptors in the body. body. And it's like being a vegan who insists on being a vegan and then doesn't compensate that he's not getting B12. Hmm. So you have to go and get B12 somewhere or you're going to get deficient. And when you get deficient, you get ill. And I think that's what happens to pretty much everybody because it's illegal. Now, the the second uh, diagnosis, You, you were diagnosed with cancer again. Yeah, well, I had a great year coming out of it. So I was originally stricken in 13. Uh, 14 was great by Easter. I couldn't believe how magical and 100% things were. Um, but then it's true, I did start to slide down again at the end of the year. And after into the new year of 15, I was crashing hard and harder than ever. Um, I subsequently found out that the, the oil I was taking at the time was from a, a less than potent batch uh, at the same time, the cancer was kicking back in, and I plummeted further. Now my PSA is at tw- uh, 11.95, 1,200. Oh my gosh! And I got diagnosed at a different hospital. I wanted to get into a different system, so I headed over to Durham County, outside of Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, and not get involved with my old records because I had a funny feeling. You know, they they'd more scold me for disappearing for ten months than uh, <laughs> than help me out. So. I, and, and I got a great ride out there at the uh, Rouge Valley Hospital System. They were fantastic. But uh, that doctor said he could do things and help me. So I took a shot of radiation at one point in my back, um, about 30 times what Rob Ford took over a month, apparently, I learned mm. later. And uh, that fried it. And, and, but here's the thing. That was only supposed to last for five to seven months as pain relief. And then every time you do it, the months are consecutively shorter. And uh, I've never gone back. So that's been... That's been over so you were now. able to determine, how were you able to determine that the batch of cannabis oil that wasn't working and that it was not a, 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 a properly concentrated oil? It's so easy, you can't believe it, because once you're up and acclimatized to the oil, you, you lose a lot of the sensation of being high, per se. You know, you're, you, that's the whole point. You're taking it in such a nominal dose that you then begin to tolerate it, like a guy that drinks a lot. I can't only have a couple of beers myself. Somebody else can hold six or seven, and, you know, mm-hmm. if I did that, I'd be on my face. You know what I mean? So right. there's different strengths of it. So what happened was when, once I was sick and collapsed and the whole thing and went for the whole hospital ride and, and, and managed to get out again sometime around uh, uh, early May and get back on my feet at 135 pounds. I'm six foot, by the way. That's no good. No. Um, by the time that happened, I realized to go back and test that stuff. Now, I hadn't been on it for three weeks, okay? So I... I didn't use it at all, and then you lose your tolerance again, and if you take a small amount again, you have to build up your tolerance. Right. And I smoked some, and I ate some, and nothing happened. I didn't get high at all, uh, which I should have done to find out retroactively that the stuff was active and it was just crummy junk that uh, unfortunately came my way because it's sometimes illegal. And Well, it was illegal, and, and you can get ripped off, so people can take advantage. And I'd had several good batches of of cannabis that I synthesized into my own oil, uh, but this batch wasn't any good. So We should uh, just talk a little bit about uh, Rick Simpson. Yeah. Now, he, my understanding was he used to work in a hospital. He was an engineer. 
Yeah. And he contracted uh, skin cancer, possibly from working with asbestos. Mm-hmm. And he he uh, had read somewhere, I think it was in a medical journal, about um, uh, cannabis oil uh, killing cancer cells in mice. So he applied it topically. Right. The cancer was gone, but he mm-hmm. couldn't get anyone to, any doctor to sort of acknowledge. To vouch for it. Yeah, That's it's right. really difficult. <laughs> and then at a certain point, he was growing, I think he was, when he was arrested, he had 2,600 plants or something. Yeah. Oh, that sounds nice. And they, uh, anyway, so uh, I'm not sure where Rick Simpson is today. I've heard he was sort of. I heard uh, he was in Croatia, but I don't really know yeah. that. Uh, I'd like to find out. I see him pop up on Facebook or what have you in videos at time to time. Seems fairly recent, you know, so I, I know he's out there someplace. But listen, we have to know who Rick Simpson is. This is the guy that pioneered the thing that got me through. Yeah. And I'm not the first guy. I'm just the first guy with a big mouth that used to be on television that wants to get everybody, that anybody that's remembering that I was on the show, Air Force, he used to play different characters and Im- imitations. I was on there for 10 or 12 years. So if you remember me, maybe maybe you don't recognize me with long hair and glasses. Things have happened. Stuff's changed. But I want to tell these people that I am reachable. You can find me on the Internet. Listen to Green Crush. We're telling everybody what's going on with the laws and the science and the law and, 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 and the history and the impact of it. And... Um, Tell us about uh, the podcast, Green Crush. Where can we uh, hear it? Well, you can hear it on uh, YouTube. You can dial it up on you know, Green Crush, Allen Park. Check it out there. Google it up. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a page, uh, uh, Green Crush at podbean.com. Uh, Probably screwing that up. My manager's freaking out. Sorry, Kim. Um, Look that up, Albert, if you could, yeah, to make you sure that we have that the right up. one. It's all new. It might be mostly focused on the content rather than the... The uh, corporate handles are where you can find it. But it's on iTunes and, and Stitcher, all the platforms. And uh, well, just tell me, uh, what is it? Is it like a 45 minutes? Or how, how, what's the length and the format? And what it's do you... been hitting about an hour and ten for some reason. Okay. Just let me get a drink here. All right. It's Podbean. I have to say. It's, po- it's on Podbay? Podbean. 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 Yeah. Okay, yes, it is. So if and I have to say, I really enjoy talking on an actual telephone. This is so pleasurable compared to the fighting with the... Uh, the electronic, you know, what's every day. There you go. Um, How about that? We, we, we forget about talking into a telephone. Well, green crush <laughs> is this. The green, of course, is the cannabis. The crush, of course, is that it's crushing the cancer. And it's also going to crush the laws that are preventing access. Because you can't say it's not a helpful medical property. I'm just so sorry. As long as people keep saying, oh, it's only anecdotal. Well, this is my anecdote. I'm still here. I right. was told I wasn't going to be. So I'm on the other side of the card. I feel like I sat through the movie. I stayed for the funny stuff at the end of the Avengers, and they started playing a different movie, and they didn't ask me for a ticket. There you go. Yeah, you even sat through the uh, the Hal Needham uh, yuck-yuck reel at the end of Cannonball Run. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. And I really feel like that. This is all bonus to me. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons why it's still illegal. And we hear about, you know, seatbelts and and blowing heavy uh, in the cars. There's a lot of other things. Well, medical marijuana, though, is not. I mean, medical marijuana is not. So, um, Well, the promotion of medical marijuana is not about Rick Simpson oil currently. No. It's about its symptomatic relief for your chemo yeah. or its symptomatic relief for your radiation. And, yes, we know it puts you to sleep. But what they're not getting to is the fully restorative in the endocannabinoid system. Because once you start using the endocannabinoid system and priming that pump with this oil, now you're tipping out. The, the, the endocrine system, the, the endocannabinoid system is now functioning with the brain. That's part of the brain, which does have a gateway. They call it a gateway drug, and they just backed off of that. They said marijuana is a gateway drug to terrible other things. 
And now they've backed off that because the science is showing it, and that, that was a lie, just like the war on drugs. But the best thing about it is it is a gateway drug. They were right about the gateway. They were just wrong about what, too. It's a gateway to that brainstem that's attached to the endocannabinoid system. And here you go with juicing up your hypothalamus. Look it up. Picking up uh, action on your thalamus. You're using the different parts of your brain. I know there's a ton of people right now laughing. Good. Have a good time laughing at the fact that while you can also work out your body, you can grease it up with this oil, with this oil, and it helps you facilitate those different parts in your brain that are often ignored. The, the hypothalamus, the pineal gland, which opens up into seeing all kinds of things. And um, we do know that the brain is a key tool because uh, the powers that be, of course, the other section of this show, the conspiracy angle, they, they, do like to, um, they do like to put things into the amygdala. That's the fear center. You can't govern this place. This crazy world, like you said, is upside down. Uh, you can't govern it without fear. And they know this. The science is there. They're, this is part of the reason why they're delaying things. So that's why I'm happy to be on your show, because it is about cannabis and helping yourself. But there's reasons why it's been uh, off the market for 100 years as a medicine. Well, that's right. I mean, it used to be found in every doctor's uh, little black bag was a little bit of, of cannabis oil. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. Well, it bears repeating, uh, Alan, you were diagnosed stage four stage prostate four. stage four prostate cancer, mm -hmm. and it had metastasized. It yes. was in your bones. Yep. I mean, that's lights out. Yeah. That's... Except when you can arrest and reverse it, it's not lights out, because here I sit. Now, it strictly didn't lead to the cannabis doing that. I also found out about heavy-duty vitamin C infusion. I took some in my arms. There's a controversy there about that right now, but I skipped past that anyway with a thing called liposomal vitamin C. Liposomal vitamin C was something that came to me while I was experiencing the uh, THC capacity of cannabis. So let's not get all fixated about removing the THC. Let's take this out. It's immoral if somebody is to happen to open a different part of their mind. You just keep it all together, whole plant, take it all in, amino acids, proteins, uh, um, you know, everything is in there that you need. You should be taking it every day. You should be juicing it like wheatgrass, making ice cubes out of it, and taking <laughs> it in daily so that it's a nutrient. And I'm saying this about the male plants as well. I know a lot of the guys like to sell, you know, the female plants are what, you know, causes the psychotic psychosis that everybody's afraid of and reefer madness, the getting high part. But what you need here is the male plants are also of very much helpful function. Juice them up and eat them as well. All right, Alan, we are out of time. But listen, oh, let's, uh, let's... No, I'm not. That's the cool thing. <laughs> yes, time. you are not out of time. <laughs> we are out of time. God Thanks, bless you, Alan. Again, the lot, uh, Green Crush... It's uh, the podcast is available at Podbean. Thanks very much. All and right, YouTube and Google, check it out. All the best. Thanks. My thanks to Ian Robertson, Albert Vinzel, Ryan White. Back next week, Jeremy Kagan, director, directed uh, Columbo, Chicago Hope, West Wing, also uh, Roswell, the movie. He'll be here to talk about that. His new movie, Shot, with uh, Noah Wiley. Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be here as well. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.